says the Lord. So if you think you're making it through the day all on your own, you're not. It's because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank him for his presence in the house tonight. Uh, before we even go any further, as always, let's just go ahead and pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Anoint me and anoint you and just allow him to have his way. Amen. I want to reiterate what the pastor said. I know it's been rainy out there. I'm not surprised. It always seems to rain on Wednesdays when it's time for me to teach. Uh, but I'm thankful for the rain. Now we just pray that the Holy Spirit rain down on our souls as well. Amen. Father God, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that never-ending fountain. We thank you, Father God, for that comfort and the counsel that you provide to us, Father God. And tonight we just ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to be upon us. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon me and fill me, anoint me, strengthen me. Give me the wisdom, the revelation, the knowledge that I need, Father God, to bring forth your word. I thank you for the, the word that you've placed upon my heart. And I pray that it would find a place in my soul, just as it would find a place in the soul of your people this evening. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to listen. And as I've said so often, then give us the courage to do what your spirit tells us to do. We come against every hindering spirit, any distraction, the, the things of this week, Lord God, that just might be distracting us this evening. But let us focus on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Last week I spoke to you about something called holiness, which was the prevailing attribute of God. God has so many attributes, but that's the one that we feel or I feel, believe, that is the driving force behind all of God's other attributes. We learned how we as his children have been called to be holy as he is holy. We learned how according to Hebrews 12:4 that we should be in constant pursuit of holiness and how we are to draw a line of definition around our lives because we've been bought with a price, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And because he has drawn a line around our lives that we are to set ourselves apart from this wicked world and consecrate ourselves unto a holy God. Amen. But tonight, I feel, I felt in my spirit just because of so many things that have been going on, because of the loss of loved ones, because of financial struggles and difficulties that we hear about week after week and day after day, I wanted to talk to you this evening, or I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to talk to you about trouble tonight. If the Holy Spirit takes me back to holiness in the coming weeks, we'll do that. But tonight I want to talk to you, church, about one of the tactics that Satan uses to keep us from holiness. 
the tactic, church, that he uses to keep us from fulfilling the sacred purpose that God has in our lives, to keep us from being everything that God wants us to be and achieving everything God wants us to achieve. And I believe that one tactic is summed up in this one simple word called trouble. Tonight, that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about uh, that kind of trouble that comes into every one of our lives. And how many of you know trouble uh, has a way working its way into every one of our lives? I want to talk to you tonight about the kind of trouble that isn't a respecter of persons. The kind of trouble that doesn't care what age you are. It doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care what kind of house you live in or what kind of car you drive. It doesn't care, it doesn't care what kind of ministry you're in, whether it's in the house of God or whether it's out there in the world. There is a trouble that is no respecter of persons. The trouble that I want to talk to you about tonight, it can strike at any moment. It can strike in the middle of the morning. It can strike when you wake up. It can strike when you walk along the way. It can strike at the dinner table. This kind of trouble that I'm talking about isn't restricted to any time frame. It can come into our life at any moment. It's the kind of trouble, church, that has the power to terrify our soul if we allow it to. This is what I want to speak to you about tonight. And how many of you know first that this kind of trouble... uh, has its way and made its way. How many of you have ever experienced that kind of trouble? Amen. Uh, And that's not to say that this is all I'm going to talk about tonight, but it is what I want to focus on. Actually, the trouble I'm talking about is the trouble that Jesus referred to in John chapter 16, verse 33, when he said, in this world, you will have trouble. How many of you know in this world, you will have trouble? I want you to remember, it's not what I've said. These aren't my words. These aren't anyone else's words. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. God said, because God's not a man that he should lie, in this world, you will have trouble. And listen, if you haven't experienced this kind of trouble in your life yet, Jesus is telling us, God is telling us, you will And he's telling us that not to scare us, not to frighten us, but so that we will be prepared. Every single one of us, church, will experience this kind of trouble in our life because Jesus, without any uncertainty, said, in this world, you will have trouble. No one is exempt from the kind of trouble that Jesus is talking about. No one is exempt from this tactic that the devil will use to frighten us and scare us and uh, uh, try to get us to, to, to fall aside or, or, or lose our faith or anything else that you might say. This is the kind of trouble that every single one of us will experience and we need to be prepared for it. The, the kind of trouble that the devil brings into our life is the kind of trouble that comes against our joy and it comes against our our peace and it comes against our faith and it comes against our hope and it comes against even like perseverance that I talked to you about two weeks ago because how many of you know the last thing the devil wants you to do is to persevere in your faith. The last thing the devil wants to do is is for you to keep fighting the fight and keep running the race and keep on keeping the faith. So what does he do? He brings trouble into your life. He brings trouble into your life and tries to, if you remember what I talked about uh, in that series of perseverance, he brings things into your life that will bust up your road to bring you to a complete stop in your faith, to bring you to a complete stop in your fight or, or in your faith. And this is what he uses trouble for. Trouble is what creates potholes in your life. Trouble is what causes fear in your life. Trouble is what presses in around you and just causes all sorts of devastation in your life. I believe it's the number one tool or tactic that the devil brings into our life to cause us to stop running our race of faith. It's this thing called trouble. According to Jesus himself, In chapter 16, verse 33, this trouble will come into our life. But understand, I don't want to bring you this message tonight to scare you. 
Jesus didn't bring these words to to disappoint his disciples. He didn't bring these words to discourage his disciples. He didn't bring this word about trouble into their life to just to bring them down and to cause their faith to be uh, nullified or cause their faith to, to drip or to drop. He brought this word about trouble into their life so that they might be built up in their faith, so that they might be encouraged in their faith, so that they might be better equipped and prepared to face the trouble that the devil will bring into their life. And I'm not bringing you these words tonight to discourage you or to disappoint you, to cause you to go around uh, disappointed or discouraged. I'm bringing the message tonight so that you might know what to do when trouble comes your way, so that you might know what to do when trouble opens up its mouth and tries to devour your joy and tries to devour your strength and tries to devour your peace and tries to devour your hope and every other area of your life. Jesus said this in verses 1 and 33. He didn't just talk about trouble. He told us that we can have peace in the midst of trouble. He told us that we can stand strong in the midst of the storm, that we can have peace in the midst of pain. Because in verse 31 and verse 1, Jesus said, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. I have told you, then I'm going to talk to you about what things Jesus told them. But he said, I told you these things to keep you from stumbling, to keep you from falling, to keep you from failing, to keep you from tripping over the potholes and the pitfalls that the devil will bring into your life. I I told you these things so that you might walk strong and that you might walk true. And in verse 33, Jesus says the very same thing. I have told you these things so that in me you might have. Have peace. The truth is, in this world, you and I will have trouble, Jesus said. But he goes on and, or even prefaces it by saying, But I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. And if you go back in the book of John and look at all of the things that Jesus talked to his disciples about, you'll understand what he's referring to when he says, I've told you these things so that you might have peace. I have told you why I came into this world, Jesus was saying so that you might have peace. I've told you about oneness with the Father. I've told you about the role of my Holy Spirit. I've told you about and told you that I am the vine and you are the branches. And anyone that that abides in me shall ask anything in my name and they shall have it. I told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you might have peace. I've told you all about prayer, Jesus was telling his disciples. I've told you all about my promises, Jesus was telling his disciples, I've told you all about the power and the purpose of my Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. I've told you all of these things because I know, disciples, that trouble's going to come into your life and heartache's going to come into your life and sadness is going to come into your life and situations beyond your control are going to come into your life. But I've told you all of these things So that in the midst of trouble, guess what? You can have peace. So that in the midst of the storm, you can stand firm and not stumble. You see, Jesus didn't tell them about trouble to make them discouraged and dismayed. He talked to them all about trouble so that in the midst of it, guess what? They can have peace. How many of you want peace in the midst of the storm? Amen? How many of you know that God can offer it? That's why he has told us these things. Why do you think, listen, why do you think I talk to you about holiness on Wednesday night? Why do you think I talk to you about perseverance on Wednesday night? Why do you think I've shared with you so many of the series that I have? Why do you think pastors preaching to you on Sunday about an all-consuming love for the Lord? Why? So that... So that with these things, you might have peace. We tell you these things and teach you these things and preach you these things so that when you go out in that world that just seems to come against you, you can have peace. So that you can stand strong. Listen, there's no greater way for you to have peace than when you have an all-consuming love for the Lord. And if you can learn that and you can receive that into your life, guess what? It doesn't matter whether hell or high water comes your way. You're going to have peace. Listen to me and understand. If you understand what it means to be holy... When you understand what it means to be set apart unto God, when you understand what it means to have a line drawn around your life, it doesn't matter what comes against you. You shall have peace. 
the Holy Spirit says. This is why we teach you these things. I told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but in me, you're going to have peace. Listen, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you're not going to have any peace. I don't care what yoga class you go to. I don't care what transcendental meditation you go to. I don't care what psychiatrist you don't go to. I don't care what self-help courses you take. If you're not in Jesus Christ, you can have no peace. You can't. He is the prince of peace. He is the owner of peace. He is peace. And if you don't have Jesus, you can't have peace. You might have it for a second. You might have it for a moment. But when trouble comes your way, your life will fall apart if you are not in Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus taught them about him being the vine and them being the branches? Because apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. It's guaranteed. But there's also a guarantee that if you are in me, you shall have peace. If you are in me, you shall find victory. If you are in me, you will walk strong and you will not stumble, church. This is what we need to understand. Listen, when Jesus talked about trouble in verse 33... It wasn't to discourage his disciples. It was to make them aware of the devil's tactics... He tells us that we need to be aware, that we should be alert. Listen, the, the, one of the biggest problems that we have as Christians is that we're ignorant to the devil's devices. We're ignorant to what he does because, because we're just so wrapped up in so many other things. Because we don't have good communion with God because we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the only way you're going to learn the devil's devices... It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of God's Word. Listen, if you're not reading God's Word, you're ignorant to the devil's devices. You're ignorant. You don't know how the devil operates. But when you begin to open up the Holy Word and you begin to understand how the devil operates, you'll be prepared to do battle against him. Amen? And this is what Jesus was trying to teach us. We need to understand Jesus was just trying to make his disciples aware of the devil's devices when he talked about trouble. The reality is, church, in this carnal, earthly, sin-filled world that is covered with corruption, in this world that is dying and decaying, in this world that is ruled by Satan, you and I will have trouble. And we have to be prepared and equipped to handle it. And the only way that we will handle it is if we are in Christ, if we are in His Word, if we are in the Spirit, if we're in the house of God, if we're in fellowship, if we're in prayer, and I can go on and on and on. We must be in Christ in order to be prepared for trouble when it comes its way. Listen, Jesus didn't say trouble might come your way. He didn't say there's a 50% chance that trouble's going to come your way. He didn't say the odds are really high that that trouble's going to come knocking at your door. You know what he said, Brother Willie? He said, Brother Willie, trouble will come your way. He says to me, Pastor Jeff, trouble will come your way. In this world, you will have trouble. You see, the truth is God never promises a trouble-free life. God never anywhere in his word promises a trouble-free life. Nowhere in the word of God, and I don't care what pastors preach on the television set. I don't care if they tell you if you sow a thousand dollar seed into some TV evangelist ministry that you will live a trouble-free life. It's a lie straight from hell. In this world, you will have trouble. Listen, it's not your money that's going to set you free. It's not some seed you sow that's going to set you free. It is the power of God. And we can corrupt the gospel to think that I can live a trouble-free life if I just give money. That's not true. It's not doctrinally right. I don't care how much you give. You're still going to have trouble. That's not to say God won't bless you for giving. It's not to say that he won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain, but it won't get rid of your trouble. Listen, look at all the multimillionaires out there in the world. They got more money than any of us can count, and their life is filled with trouble, filled with pain, filled with sadness, filled with sorrow. Why? Because they're not in Christ. Because they don't know how to deal with trouble when it comes knocking at their door. 
This is what we need to learn that the Holy Spirit is teaching us, church. He does not promise that we will have sunshine every day. He doesn't promise that we're going to live on the mountaintop every single day. He never promises in his word that the winds of this world won't wage against our lives. He doesn't promise that in this world you won't have trouble, church. But he does promise peace in the midst of the storm. He does promise peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus himself was the one that said, my peace, I leave with you. It's my peace. It's no one else's peace. It's my peace. Think about it, church. Peace of the Son of God. He was the only one that can give it to you. He's the only one that can give you peace. My peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. And it's not the kind of peace, Jesus said, the world can give. It's, and it's not the kind of peace that the world can take away. It's not the kind of peace trouble can take away. You see, the kind of peace Christ gives us, the kind of peace the Holy Spirit gives us, the kind of peace the promises of God give us, trouble can't take away. Trouble can't affect. Trouble has no authority over. Trouble has no power over in me. In, in this world, you will have trouble. But in me, you shall have peace. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take courage, for I have overcome this world. The word of God doesn't promise a trouble-free life, but it does promise that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that we can run into and be safe when trouble comes knocking at our door, when sadness comes knocking at our door, when, when unexpected loss comes knocking at our door, when heartache comes knocking at our door, when sadness and sorrow and trial and tribulation comes knocking at our door. You see, God never promised that we don't, won't, won't have those things, but He did promise that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that we can run into and be safe. When trouble comes our way, I don't know about you, but it excites me to know that there's a place that I can go, church, and be safe. You see, here's what I want you to understand. I know that so many of us have read this passage once before, but Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And I hope you get where I'm going. In this world, you will have trouble. And you know what that lets me know? It lets me know that there is another world where I can run and be safe. It lets me know that there is another world where I am the righteousness of God. It lets me know that there is another world where I am the head and not the tail, the above and not the beneath. It lets me know there is another world where, where, where trouble has no authority over my life, where trouble has no power over my life where trouble can't affect my joy and trouble can't affect my peace and trouble can't affect my praise and trouble can't affect my worship and trouble won't affect my serving and trouble won't affect my giving and and, and trouble won't affect my loving and trusting and my hope and my joy it tells me there is another world where all things are possible to those who believe in this world you will have trouble but I want you to know that there is a spiritual world there is a world of faith where you can walk on water there is a spiritual world where you can stand before a Goliath and slay him in the name of Jesus there is a spiritual world where you can stand in front of a wall of Jericho and march around it seven times and watch it fall there is a world filled with the supernatural power of God. And this is where God wants us to live. Yes, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, the Bible says. Listen, when you and I are born again, we become citizens of another world. But our problem is we live down here in this world. We live in a world of fear. We live in a world of anxiety. We live in a world of depression. We live in a world of doubt. When God is saying, I want you to live up here in a world of faith. In a world where all things are possible, if you would just believe in me. Amen. And Jesus is saying, I have told you these things so that in me you shall have peace. Listen, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us that the only way trouble will not affect us is if we put ourselves into that other world 
We take ourselves out of this world. That's why you go back to this, this holiness thing, consecrated unto God. Without holiness, we shall not be part of that world. Without holiness, we can't be part of that kingdom. That's why we need to demonstrate it now. That's why we got to draw that line of definition around our life now. Because it's inside of that line that we shall have peace. It's inside of that line where we shall have power. And when you step out of that line and you start touching all these unclean things, guess what happens to your peace? It disappears. It disappears. It has, it, it, we, we grasp at it, but we can't reach it until we get back inside the line. This is what we need to understand. Everything that I'm teaching you, not because I'm teaching you, it's just because it's the Word of God. It all works together. All of it. Every message. I, I could pick anything out of the Word of God and preach it to you next week, and it would still fit with what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. There is a world we have to learn to live in. And it is a world of faith. It's a world of trust. It's a world of purity and righteousness and holiness like we've talked about. It's a world of perseverance like I've preached to you. And it's a world that the pastor has been preaching. A world filled with an all-consuming love for God. In that world, you won't have trouble. It will come against you. But in that world, you can find peace. You can stand strong. It's not to say that it won't come your way. It's just telling you and teaching you how you overcome it, how you can stand strong. This is what Jesus said. That in me, you shall have peace. There is a world. But one of the greatest reasons that we are overcome by trouble is because we're not living in Jesus Christ. One of the greatest reasons that the church is overcome by trouble church is because we're, like I said, living and moving and breathing in Jesus Christ. We're not living and moving and breathing in the world. We're living and moving and breathing the TV set and the TV God and Cosmopolitan and Hollywood and all these other things that the world has to offer. And we wonder why we don't have peace. We wonder why we keep falling. We wonder why we keep stumbling. It's because we're not living and moving and breathing in Jesus Christ. And this is what the Holy Spirit is charging and challenging us to do. If you want to have peace, you've got to live and move and breathe in Him. We're so easily overcome by trouble because we're not alive in Christ like we should be. We're, we're struggling and being overcome by all these things that come against us, church, because we are not living in this world of faith like I talked about like we should be. So trouble overtakes us. Before I continue, I want you to really understand what Jesus is saying in verse 33 by understanding this one word, trouble. And this is what trouble means in the Hebrew language. I've taught you this so many times that, you know, in our English language, uh, it's so limited. But in the Hebrew, they can speak one word and it means 20 different things. So that's when you got to like crack out your thesaurus. And when you read one word, you crack out your thesaurus. And that's typically what that means in, in another language. But in the Hebrew, actually in the Hebrew, this is what trouble means. It means adversity, affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation. How many of you have ever had any of those troubles in your life? It means a narrow and small space. It means pressed in and squeezed on every side. You ever been there, church? You ever felt pressed in? Ever felt squeezed? This is the kind of trouble that Jesus was talking about. Pressed in on every side. And the truth is, many of us tonight are experiencing that kind of trouble. The reality is the house of God is filled with individuals that are experiencing this kind of trouble. Some of you here tonight might be feeling squeezed financially. You might be feeling squeezed emotionally. You might be feeling pressed by all sorts of problems that the devil has brought into your life. Some of you are in anguish over your marriage, maybe anguish over your family, anguish over a lost loved one or a son or a daughter that's in, in trouble and, and, and out in the world. Maybe some of you are here tonight are in complete distress of the circumstances and situations of your life. And the reason that we are, the reason that every single one of us in this life will face trouble is because all of these definitions that you read right here come from one root word, one root Hebrew word, and that word is tsara. 
If they have it, you can put it up. And what that one word means, it means adversary. It means enemy. It means opponent and it means foe. And what I want you to understand is every bit of adversity, every bit of affliction, every bit of anguish, every bit of pain, every trial, every tribulation, every ounce of sadness, every ounce of sorrow comes from your adversary. It comes from your enemy. It comes from the one who stands against you. That's why all of those things mean trouble. Because they all come from this one root word, which means adversary. It means the one who stands against you. And what Jesus is reminding us tonight, church, is that in this world, you and I will have trouble because in this world, you and I have an enemy. And I hope you understand that. And it's exactly what the, that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He was trying to tell his disciples, in this world, you have an enemy. In this world, every single one of you have an enemy. And I want you to understand that enemy is Satan. That enemy is the devil himself. That enemy is the father of lies. That enemy is the one that was cast out of heaven because he rebelled against the father. That is the enemy that sets itself against us every day. So what Jesus was saying is that in this world, you will have an enemy. And he will set himself against you. But no matter who that enemy is, Jesus says, take heart because I've overcome the world. I've overcome your enemy. I've overcome your anguish, your affliction. I've overcome all of these things that the devil will try to bring against you, church. He, in this world, there will always be someone who fights against you. And I hope you understand, church, that your marriage has an enemy. And it's the devil who doesn't want it to succeed. Your finances have an enemy, and it's the devil, and he wants to devastate them and destroy them. Your health has an enemy, and it's, it's the devil. He wants to destroy it, wants to afflict it. Your, 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 your sound mind has an enemy, and he'll do everything he can to destroy your mind. Your son and your daughter has an enemy. Your job has an enemy. Your company has an enemy. Everything about your life has an enemy, and that enemy is Satan. And this is what God is trying to teach us, that we must be aware that our entire life has an enemy. See, if you go through life forgetting that your marriage has an enemy, your marriage is going to fail. If you go through your entire life forgetting that your finances have an enemy, your, your finances are going to fail, or they'll at least be attacked, or they'll at least suffer. If you forget that your son or daughter, when they walk out of the house every morning, has an enemy, your children will be abused by Satan. If you forget to cover your mind in the Word of God, if you forget that your mind has an enemy that wants to pervert your mind and destroy your mind and depress your mind, if you forget that your mind has an enemy, you won't guard it. But listen, understand me, you won't guard the things that you think are safe. But as soon as you understand that everything about your life has an enemy, oh, how fast we'll go to our knees. How fast we'll call out blessings upon our sons and our daughters. How fast we'll fall to our knees and ask God to cover our lives. It's when we forget that we have an enemy that the enemy comes in. And it's exactly what the church is doing today. We forget that Satan roams about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is our adversary and he wants nothing more than to destroy your life. Nothing more. He'll destroy it with whatever he has to. Whatever is at his disposal, he will use. And some of you have experienced that firsthand in your life. For some, he'll use riches to destroy you. For some, he'll use drugs. For some, he'll use alcohol. For some, he'll use sex. For some, he'll use pride. For some, he'll use power and prestige and position. For some, he'll use whatever he can. But you understand, we have an adversary that roams about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us is it doesn't matter how wide the mouth of that enemy is. It doesn't matter how pressed in you are or boxed in you are or how tight you, you might feel. In him, you and I still can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble because the world, in this world, you and I have an enemy. 
And that's what we need to understand. Jesus doesn't want us to be uh, frightened. He goes on and he finishes this passage of scripture. In this world you have trouble. But then he says, take heart. He starts it by saying, I've told you these things so that you won't have trouble. Then he goes in and he says, in this world you will have trouble. And then he finishes by saying, but take heart. He finishes by saying, lift up your soul. He, he finishes by saying, but be strengthened in your faith, faith because I have overcome this world. You see, there's nothing that you will face in your life that, that Christ has not already overcome. There's nothing you or I will face in our life that the Father has not already conquered. That's why we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us, church. And it's exactly why uh, Psalm 46.1 says, God is my refuge and my strength. He is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. And this is why we should take heart, church, because he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. He tells us that trouble is coming our way, but then he says, take heart, because I am an ever-present help in that time of trouble. And when you, when you put all the other definitions into that word trouble, you even get a better understanding. Because what he's saying is, I am an ever-present help in a time of anguish. I'm an ever-present help in a time of affliction. I'm an ever-present help in a time of sadness or sorrow. I'm an ever-present help when the devil, your enemy, your adversary, roams about your life. I am an ever-present help. And what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is to turn to Him, church. What we need to understand is that God is a help that's always there. Amen? That God is a help that will never leave you or forsake you. That God is a help that won't walk out when the lights go off. God is a help that won't run away when the winds begin to blow, when the, when the flames get hot, when your boat starts to get tossed to and fro. Our, our God is an ever-present, always there, always faithful, always near help in our time of trouble, church. David wrote these words because he knew that whenever his adversary, the devil, came against him, God was there. Whenever David felt pressed in, read all of the Psalms, read his life. Whenever David felt squeezed, whenever he felt like the, the enemy was trying to squeeze the life out of him, whenever David, whenever David felt like the enemy was encamped round about him, the Bible says David knew, David had peace because he knew his God was an ever-present help in a time of trouble. He knew like Isaiah in chapter 43, verse 2, that if he walked through the waters, God would be there and through the flame. You know that, you know that, that verse, you should all know it. He, he, he took heart because he knew the word of God said, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. And if there's any reason we should take heart, it's because God has redeemed us. Because he's called us by name. Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because if, if God is for us, then who can stand against us? But he said, when you walk through the waters, I will be there and through the flame. You'll not be drowned. You'll not be burned. Why? Because I will be with you. And the first thing that the devil will try to get you to do is think God's abandoned you. The first thing the devil will try to get you to, to, to believe is God has forgotten all about you. The first thing the devil wants you to think is that, that God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. That, that, that you become like the disciples when they were on the sea in the storm and Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat and they ran to him and said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? It's the very thing that the devil wants you to think that God doesn't care. But the Holy Spirit wants you to know tonight, church, that I don't care what you're going through, hell or high water. He is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. He helped Daniel in the lion's den. He helped Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Because even the wicked king said, I thought I put three men in that fire. But why do I see a fourth? And that fourth that I see looks like the Son of God. Why? Because he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. He won't leave us or forsake us, church. He had to start trying to find a place to, to whittle this down and, and come to an end. But we need to understand that he is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. David said... He even said, when I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil or I will feel no fear, no trouble. Why? 
because thou art with me. And what we need to understand, church, is that God is always with us. He is with us through every single storm we go through. And sometimes, listen, it's like some of the songs that we sang. Sometimes he lets us go through a storm so we learn more about his greatness. So we learn more about his goodness. So we learn more about his mercy. So we learn more about his promises and more about his power and more about his ability. You see, sometimes he lets us go through storms and trials and tribulations so we stop relying on our own strength and turn to God. So that we understand and come to that point that we've learned before that without him we are nothing. Sometimes he lets us go through things so we grow deeper and deeper into the soil of Jesus Christ. So we need to, in all things, rejoice. Not because of the trouble that comes our way, but rejoice because in the midst of it, God is always there. Amen? So this is what we need to remember, church. That God is always there. David knew that when trouble surrounded him, and I want you to catch this. David knew that when trouble surrounded him, God surrounded his trouble. David knew that when his enemy surrounded him, God surrounded his enemy. And it's biblical. Because in 2 Kings chapter 6, and some of you know the story, maybe all of you do. But we find the story of the king of Aram who was trying to seize the prophet Elisha. And the reason that he was trying to uh, seize the prophet Elisha was because every time the king of Aram went to war against the king of Israel, Elisha heard from God and went to the king of Israel and said, King, Aram's about to do this, and Aram's about to do this. He would tell the king, don't go here and do go there. He's going to do this and he's going to do that. How many of you know that's how good our God is? That he can foil the plans of the enemy. That he can direct your path so you avoid devastation in your life. I'm glad that the king of Israel listened. He listened to the voice of God. But so often we get a warning and we don't heed it. Amen. And we end up in a battle that we shouldn't be fighting. But the king of Israel listened. And he didn't go where he wasn't supposed to go. Did go where he was supposed to go. But here's the story. The king of Aram got so mad. That he was about to execute all of his military leaders because he thought he had a mole. He thought he had a spy that was going to the king of Israel and telling them all of his moves. But before one of them was about to be put to death, he said, oh no king, it's not us. It's this prophet called Elisha. What do you mean? prophet called Elisha Elisha is the one that's hearing from God. It's like the Bible says, it's like he was in the room with us and he knew every single move, every single plan. So what did the king of Aram set out to do? In order for me to defeat Israel, I got to go seize Elisha. In order for me to defeat Israel, I got to go defeat Elisha. And I don't want to get off track, but the Holy Spirit just put something in my mind. If you want Especially for men, leaders of households, leaders of ministries. The only way that the devil's going to defeat your marriage and the only way that he's going to defeat your relationship is by, by, by seizing the one that's in charge. By seizing the one that God has appointed. So make sure that we, you fill your role Don't let the enemy come in and seize your marriage or seize anything about your life. You need to, you need to put yourself under God's covering. But anyway, here's what happened. He, he sets out to seize Elisha. And the Bible tells us if you go to verses 13 through 17, you find that one night while Elisha and the servant were asleep in their tent, that the king of Aram and some of his army, I don't know the exact numbers, but some of his army came and lay in wait around the city. They didn't attack right away because they probably thought, well, Elisha knows exactly what's about to happen and we need to be cautious and we need to be careful. If he got burnt so many times, I guarantee you he's going to be cautious this time before he approaches Elisha because he doesn't want to get caught in an ambush. So he lays in wait around the city. And the Bible tells us that early in the morning, Elisha's servant awakes and he goes out for whatever reason. He steps out, and when he steps out, he looks up into the hills, and he sees that their entire camp is surrounded by the enemy. He sees all of the, the king of, he sees the Aramean army. 
He sees soldiers, the Bible says, and he sees chariots and he sees horses surrounding their city. And he panics, the Bible says. And we go on and it says that he ran to his master, which was Elisha. And he said, Elisha, what shall we do? We're surrounded. What shall we do, Elisha? We are in the middle of trouble. You see, trouble surrounded them. Trouble pressed them in. Trouble was about to squeeze the life out of them. So he runs to Elisha and says, what shall we do? The enemy has surrounded us. And how many of you know there's no better time to trust in God than when you're surrounded by the enemy? Amen. No better time to trust in God than when you're pressed in, that when you're boxed in, that when you're pushed into a corner. There's no better time to trust in God than when trouble surrounds you. And it's exactly what Elisha did. He trusted in God. And the word of God tells us in verse 16 that he spoke to his servant and said, don't be afraid. Again, he was saying the same thing as Jesus, take heart. He was saying, lift up your soul. Don't be, don't be afraid, he said, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I had to laugh every time I read this because I'm thinking this, this servant starts looking around. I, I, I'm, I'm believing this servant thinks, what are you talking about, Elisha? Uh, no matter how often I count, I come up with two. You and me. And I'm not much of any good to you right now because I'm pretty scared. So, Elisha, you're all by yourself. And I guarantee you that's what he did. He was so filled with fear, he looked around and no matter how he counted, he kept coming up with two. I think he looked in the tent. I think he looked behind some bushes. I think he looked behind some rocks or maybe behind a boulder thinking maybe the, the army of Israel was there, but it wasn't. And I can't help but think he thought to himself, or he maybe even spoke to Elisha, even though it wasn't recorded. What are you talking about, Elisha? What do you mean, don't be afraid? It's two against 200 or it's two against 2,000. I don't know how many were there. What do you mean, don't be afraid, Elisha? We are surrounded by the enemy. What do you mean, don't be afraid, Elisha? Don't you see what I see? Don't you see the horses? Don't you see the chariots? Don't you see the enemy that's pressing around us? Don't you see the trouble that is pressing us in? But what did Elisha do? He trusted in God. What did Elisha do? He prayed, the Bible says. And this is what he prayed. And before I even say that, how many of you know the best weapon of warfare that you can use when the devil surrounds you is prayer. The best weapon that you can use when trouble presses you in is prayer. The best weapon you can use when you feel pressed and you feel squeezed is the weapon of prayer because it does supernatural things and it did. Elisha prayed. He prayed, O oh Lord, open my servant's eyes so that he might see. You see, I want you to understand that prayer opens spiritual eyes. I want you to understand that, that prayer opens up a, a, your eyes of faith. Prayer allows you to do things that you can't, or see things that you can't see without prayer. It allows you to do things you can't do without prayer. It, it allows you to understand things you can't understand without prayer. And he says, O oh Lord, my, open my servant's eyes so that he might see. You see, as I bring this to a close, Elisha was already seeing something his servant wasn't seeing. And we'll, we'll, I'll finish up with that. But he said, open his eyes of faith, because he's seeing right now with eyes of fear. He was saying, open up his spiritual eyes, God, because right now he's seeing with carnal eyes, and right now he's seeing with earthly eyes. He was saying, open up his eyes, God, so he can see into another world so that he can see so that he can see that place that he can run into and be safe open up his eyes he was saying so that he may see into that world where all things are possible to those who believe and then the lord opened the servant's eyes and the servant looked and saw the hills full of god's horses and god's chariots and god's soldiers and god's fire where all around the enemy you see, it's exactly what David understood. David understood that when trouble surrounds me, God surrounds my trouble. When the enemy surrounds me, God surrounds my enemy. And you may not see it tonight, church, 
But whatever trouble you're going through, I want you to know that God is surrounding your trouble. I want you to know that whatever anguish and heartache and fear or sorrow or trial or tribulation or storm you are going through, God is surrounding your trouble. And this is what we need to understand. In this world, you will have trouble. But when trouble comes your way, we need to take heart because he has overcome that trouble. I'll close real quick. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because if God is for us, no one can stand against us. I don't know how pressed in you might be this evening, church. I don't know what trouble you might be facing I don't know how squeezed in you might feel or uh, what adversity or opposition you might be experiencing in your life tonight. But I want to say what the Holy Spirit says and what Jesus says. In the midst of whatever you're going through tonight, the Holy Spirit would say, take heart, because I have overcome the world. I have overcome anguish. I've overcome adversity. I've overcome the opposition. I've overcome affliction, I've overcome sadness and sorrow, and any other definition I could place in there. I want you to know that your foe has been defeated, church. And because of that, we are now more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I want you to know that I have shared all of these things tonight so that in Christ you might have peace. I've shared all of these things with you tonight so that no matter what is coming your way, you can stand firm and say... And believe that God has overcome your trouble. Amen. If you believe that God is surrounding your trouble tonight. If you believe that God, just like he surrounded uh, the, the Aramean army, that God is surrounding your trouble tonight and is going to bring victory into your life. I just want you to stand with me as you can. And this is how we're going to pray. We're just going to pray that God surround our enemy, surround our trouble, and bring victory into our lives. Amen. Amen. Father God. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Father God, that you have warned us and told us that in this world we will have trouble. I thank you that you don't want us to be unawares. I thank you that you don't want us to be caught off guard. But I thank you that even when you warn us and even when you tell us that trouble's going to come our way, you don't leave us to fight trouble on our own, but that you are the one that surrounds our trouble. I thank you that you are the one that has overcome trouble, that you're the one that's overcome affliction and anguish and, and adversity in our life. You're the one that overcomes the storm, the sadness, and the sorrows of life. I thank you that we don't have to fight these things on our own. I thank you that you have told us all of these things so that in your Son, Jesus Christ, we can have peace. God, when sickness comes our way, we can still have peace. When lack comes our way, we can still have peace. When our marriage is facing difficulties, we can still have peace. When our sons or our daughters are going through difficult times in their life, we can still have peace because you have overcome this world. I pray, God, that you would help us to always be mindful of the tactics of the enemy. Let us not be lazy. Let us watch. Let us be alert. Let us do all the things that we can, but most of all, help us to find ourselves in Christ so that we can find peace and victory in our lives. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. If you have a special request, be happy to tarry with you as always. Otherwise, be blessed and know that God is an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Amen.